Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to New Life Church in Cabot, Arkansas. So good to see each of you this morning. It's an honor to be here. And uh, certainly, uh, man, you have the best of the best here at New Life Church. And if you're a visitor today and you've never heard Pastor Gaddy preach, you owe it to yourself to come back. And I promise you, you will be blessed. Certainly love Brother Tim and Sister Stacy Gaddy. And it's an honor to be here. And also several friends uh, of ours, Brother Nate and Sister Ashley Smith. They ministered at Life at Tupelo last year where there are three children, uh, Odin and Lucas and Judah. And certainly uh, love those boys. And so good to meet the leadership team, meet many of you. And uh, just excited about what God is doing here in Cabot, Arkansas. Amen. Are you thankful for the good Lord? Are you thankful for what he means to you? Amen, amen, amen. So nice to meet the Shirley family this morning. Certainly enjoyed meeting you. And it's certainly so good to see Sister Kathy Hernandez and her daughter, Charity. And, you know, I can't sing or play a lick, but I sure enjoy those that do it with excellence and do it with anointing. Amen. Can we thank the Lord for that? Amen. Certainly, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. I'll tell you, like Elizabeth Taylor told her eighth husband, I won't keep you long. In Tupelo, Mississippi, it's snowing today, and we miss our church family, but uh, certainly uh, we normally have two services, and we cut that back to one to try to help folks get in and out safely, but certainly those of you that are watching from Life at Tupelo, we miss you today and look forward to seeing you this week. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I love Mark 16 and 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Everybody say, I'm a believer. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. How many believe the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word, your word's anointed. I ask that you would anoint your messenger today. Let us speak, O oh Lord, to your church. Do not let one word fall to the ground. You must increase and we must decrease. We ask that your will would be done in this house today. We'll give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone say amen. amen. You may be seated. I am in Arkansas, and the story of Walmart is an American success story. Sam Walton, the company was founded by Sam Walton in Rogers, Arkansas in 1962. It was incorporated under the Delaware General Corporation law on October the 31st, 1969. And as you know, it owns and operates Sam's Clubs, retail stores throughout the land. As of July the 31st, 2021, Walmart 
had 10,524 stores and Sam's Clubs in 24 countries. One of the reasons that Walmart grew, though, was due to its mission. It was the culture. It was the mindset that this company had at the very beginning. At its beginning, one of the most important parts of the mission of Walmart was the 10-foot rule. How many have heard of the 10-foot rule from Walmart? Raise your hand. There's a few. The 10-foot rule was one of Walmart's secrets to customer service. And during his many store visits, Sam Walton encouraged associates to make this pledge that I give to you today. I solemnly promise and declare that every customer that comes within 10 feet of me, I will smile. Can everybody give me an Arkansas smile this morning? I will smile. I will look them in the eye. I will greet them, and I will ask if I can help them. The only problem is that Walmart is now over 50 years old, and Mr. Sam Walton has passed. When is the last time that you went into Walmart and someone looked and smiled at you? When is the last time that you went into Walmart and someone kindly looked into your beautiful blue eyes? When is the last time you went into Walmart and someone asked you how you were doing? When is the last time that you went into Walmart and someone asked if they could help you before you go and look them down to ask them a question? The problem is, is that they have forgotten their own mission. And that's what I'm preaching about today, the forgotten mission. Can I tell you that more important than Walmart's mission is the mission of the church of the living God. God has called us for such a time as this. And yes, the church does have a mission, and it is a God-given mission. This is not a time for the church to forget its mission. It's not a time for the church to forget its purpose. It's not a time for the church to forget its calling. It's not a time for the church to forget the mandate from the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the mission of the church. Jesus lays out the role of the church in fulfilling this vision when he commissions his disciples, first of all, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded to you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. I came to tell somebody today that the Lord is with you. Yes, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And we don't know what tomorrow holds, but I want somebody to know that I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who's going to hold your hand. You just got to put your hand in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus, and you listen to this preacher. It's going to be all right. Clap your hands to the Lord this morning. 
You may be seated. The early church took this God-given mission and they set their world on fire. The Bible tells us that 120 received the Holy Ghost in the upper room and then 3,000 more were added to the church. Acts 2 and 47 says this, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Are you thankful to be a part of the kingdom of God this morning? It's the greatest place on the planet of the earth. I would rather be at New Life Church than the best hospital in Arkansas. And it didn't stop there. One of the most amazing and significant facts of history is that within five centuries of its birth, Christianity won the professed allegiance of the overwhelming majority of the population of the Roman Empire and even the support of the Roman state. The book of Acts records for us the establishment. It records for us the growth. It records for us the spread of the Lord's church throughout the first century. Beginning with the Jerusalem church, we see the apostles and early Christians driven by God's purpose, driven by God's plan, and driven by God's mission. The Bible tells us in Acts 2, 42 through 47, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. These scriptures right here speak to some specific I believe spiritual components that define the church, that define the mission of the church at the very beginning. And number one this morning, the early church was a worshiping church. Are you glad to be in a house that people love to worship the Lord? He said, clap your hands unto the Lord, lift up your voice unto the Lord, shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. We are in an apostolic Pentecostal church and God has called us to be a worshiping church. Can you say amen? Worship was a vital part of the lives of the early church, and it must be a vital part of our lives as well. Worship is so integral to the life of the church that when we say we are going to church, what we mean is that we are going to worship. Worship is mentioned in Scripture from the first book, the very book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, to the last book, where much of Revelation is a vision of heavenly worship. So I ask you this question today, what is worship? Worship includes the proclamation of God's word, yet worship is more than scripture lessons and it's more than a sermon that I'm preaching to you today. For some people here today, music is their favorite element of worship, yet even for music lovers, worship is more than a collection of songs and these guys did a great job today. We pray during worship, yet worship is more than just prayer. 
People need to gather for worship to happen, yet worship is more than just coming to a meeting. Worship is more than the sum of its parts. John E. Burkhart in his book, Worship, wrote this. The heart of worship, at least for us as Christians, is the celebration of God. It is a true celebration of God that's quite festive and it stands out in its gladness and it takes delight in what God is all about. Such worship celebrates God, the, known, the God known by the prophets and the psalmists and the apostles and by a multitude of Christians from whom worship is not a duty to us, but it is a privilege to us. It's not a burden to us, but it is a delight to us. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord today? I want the church to be a church that is a worshiping church. I want the church to be a church that no matter what you're going through, you can still lift your hands. You can still clap your hands because you know that it's going to be all right. You may be seated. Worship gladly celebrates the God whose character is caring and sharing the God who is incredibly gracious. Are you thankful for his grace and mercies today? His mercies are new each and every morning. I got up this morning and I don't have to worry about using day-old mercy. It's new for me today. If you messed up last night, you're going to be all right because his mercies are new for you today. People of faith have realized that in worship, we remember who God is. We remember who we are to be as God's people. I spoke to the leadership team this weekend, but some of you need to see yourself as God sees you. You are mighty men and you are mighty women of God. Don't be like Gideon, say, who me? Yes, God has called you for such a time as this. Be who God called you to be. Worship was crucial to the first Christians. The Acts of the Apostles describes the early days of the church this way again, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple. And verse 47 says, praising God and having favor with all the people in the Lord because they did that added to the church daily such as should be saved. Don't forget the mission of the church. The early church was a worshiping church. The early church was a family-bonded church. Noted in the Jerusalem church was the closeness of the Christians. The Bible says that these believers had all things in common. The Bible says that they met together from house to house. Thank God for our small groups. They were a spiritual family. They were part of God's household. Christianity was never meant to be a solo act. This has never been more clear than in the last two years. I was reading a statistic last week. And I'm sorry, we've all had friends. I know our dear brother Hernandez passed from COVID a couple of years ago. We've all had friends and loved ones that's passed from COVID. But in the military, in the last couple of months, there's been two times more deaths by suicide than there has COVID. We as a church better give people hope. And the hope that they have in this life is Jesus Christ. Yes, we will be careful. Yes, we will be cautious. But we will not be fearful because we have a God that is for us and he is not against us. It's going to be all 
right. I'm telling you, it's going to be all right. Can you lift your hands and clap your hands to the great God that is our provider? Amen. You may be seated. It has been often observed that we are not just called to believe, but we have also been called to belong. And there's no better place if you're visiting today than to belong to New Life Church here in Cabot, Arkansas. We're called to love one another. We're called to encourage one another. We're called to care for one another. The Bible says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. The Bible says in Matthew 18 and 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The early church was a worshiping church. The early church was a family bonded church. The early church was also a Bible believing church. The Jerusalem church was more than just praise and it was more than just fellowship. The word of God says they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They were interested in learning and studying the word of God. Unfortunately, today we live in a world today where the Bible is depicted as being outdated and, and fictional, having little value, and to some it's completely irrelevant. But I want you to know that the Word of God, even in this 21st century, 2022, it still works. Do you believe that today? There's 3,000 promises in this book that if you will apply yourself and you can claim them, they can be a part of your life. Some of the most Googled questions on this topic, this world in which we live, is the Bible relevant today? Is the Bible outdated? Is the Bible really inspired? Why is the Bible important? Let me tell you, the Bible is very relevant today. There's not one problem in your life that this word doesn't speak to. The Bible is inspired. The Bible is anointed. And some people say that the Lord never talks to them. Let me tell you, you're never reading his word because if you'll read his word, he will talk to you today. Can somebody say Amen. Hear me, the Bible is not just an ordinary book. The Bible is the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The word of God is for you. 2 Peter chapter 1, 20 and 21, knowing this, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This word is inspired. This word is anointed. This word will speak to you if you'll just open it and read it and say yes to it. Although physically the 66 books of the Bible were written by a variety of writers, including kings and prophets and priests and leaders and apostles and other followers of Jesus Christ. Each word of the original manuscript were intimately inspired and authored ultimately by God himself. Church, we must know the word of God. Church, we must obey the word of God. 
Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I pray that somebody today will say yes to baptism in Jesus' name. That's a choice that you will never regret in your life. If you've never done it today, all you got to do is be obedient to his word. <laughs> Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith, everybody say faith. Not anxiety, not worry, not depression, not doubt, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh, when you see that word, C-O-M-E-T-H, it means to continue to come. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Romans 5 and 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us do you know how much Jesus loves you today he loves you this much he cares about you he wants to forgive your sins he wants to wash away your sins and he wants to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost all you got to do is say yes to him today we can't forget the mission of the church we can't forget the word of God. The, word, the early church was a worshiping church. The early church was a family-bonded church. The early church was a Bible-believing church. But last but not least, the early church was a soul-winning church. The Jerusalem church was growing. The good news was, was being shared, and people were being converted, as the Bible says, and the Lord added to the church daily. It has been noted, the Great Commission is not a suggestion to you and I, but it is a command. No matter what else is being done, if we are not serious about evangelistic outreach, then we are failing in God's divine purpose for the church. If we want people to be added to the church daily, we have to grasp how important that winning a soul really is. I want to share a few stories of how making time for others can have an impact on the kingdom of God. 1987, when I was a sophomore in high school, I met a young man named Jerry Johnson who had just moved to Columbia from Alabama because his parents had died and they had passed away. And he came to Columbia to live with his brother and his sister-in-law. He and I became the best of friends. I befriended him and did my best to work on sharing Jesus and the word with him on a regular basis. Jerry served as my campaign manager when I ran for student body president of Columbia High School. But just before he graduated, he finally came to church with me. He came to a men's gathering on a Saturday at church and none other than the Reverend Jeff Arnold was preaching the very first service that he'd ever been in in his life. March 1989, and that service, he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We graduated from Columbia High School together when we were 18, and that's been 32 years ago, believe it or not. I know I don't look that old. So if you can add, you can tell that I'm all around 50. 
My father and I continued to put the word of God in him from March of 1989 until he left for Knoxville, Tennessee around August of 1989 to attend the University of Tennessee on a full-paid scholarship for some smart fellows in chemical engineering. I didn't major in that. While there, he started doing Bible studies and sharing with folks one-on-one and in the athletic dormitory during the time Peyton Manning was, was living there. And Jerry witnessed and, and discipled, even though we'd only spent a little time with him, dozens of folks while he was there. Jerry then graduated from Tennessee and went on to get his MBA from Harvard and also served as a White House fellow for Donald Brumsfeld and, and President George Bush. He worked alongside Bob Johnson for 13 years, a private equity investor. He was the first African-American billionaire in the world. He originally owned BET before he sold it. Jerry today now lives in Washington, D.C. and still loves the Lord, and he and I communicate about once a month. A couple of years ago, while attending BOT, which your pastor is preaching there this week, while attending BOT, a young man came up behind me and He said these words. He said, you don't know me, but you are my grandfather. His name was Lewis Clark. As you can tell, we look a little different. Little did I know that my friend Jerry Johnson had introduced Lewis to Jesus Christ and had won him to the Lord. Today, he is a licensed minister in the state of Georgia and serves at Atlanta West Pentecostal Church with Reverend Daryl Johns, of which my wife and I were there just two weeks ago at a memorial service or another of our friends, Tim Norris. Listen to me. We never know when we plant a seed what may happen. The Bible says one plants and one waters, but God giveth the increase. Please come to the music in closing today after much prayer. I am convicted and I am convinced that our main goal should be to reach the lost. Jesus said, the harvest is ready. But he said, the laborers, Brother Chris, are Bible says he who wins souls is very wise. So I ask you this question today. Who is in the church today because of you? I'm challenging each one of us to focus in this year, 22, to win at least one person to Christ over the next year. Listen, we often baptize people. I'm so excited to see the young lady who was baptized in October. We often baptize people and they get the Holy Ghost and then we disciple them. But the good Lord, Brother Gaddy, has prompted me in my spirit that this might be the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus discipled people for three and a half years before Pentecost came. 
Could it be? I don't know. Could it be that we focus on baptism and the Holy Ghost when we should be focused on discipling people? Walking and, and working with people patiently rather than potentially at times getting the cart ahead of the horse. Even with Cornelius and his house, it does say he was already, I was reading even last night, he was already a devout man before he was introduced to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The 3,000 that we read about in the beginning and the 5,000 were prepared people because Jesus had been preaching and teaching and even John the Baptist had done that as well. Even centuries of prophets had shared the word. I've heard of a number of preachers over the years point to the significant revivals they were in prepared fields. We read about the harvest. But what about the sowing? What, what about the planting? What about the plowing that happened previously? I believe there's some very faithful people in this church today. If you're listening to me, that you're here. This is your church, but you haven't received the Holy Ghost yet. Listen to me. You're going to get it. Just keep coming to church. Just keep believing. Keep being faithful in your time and talent, your treasure. God is going to give you the Holy Ghost. That's why I'm promoting a discipleship model at our church that says start a spiritual conversation with someone and walk them through what being a fully devoted follower of Jesus looks like. It may take two weeks, it may take two months or three years, but listen to me, they will experience new birth if they decide to follow Jesus. They will be born again and they will continue to be sanctified. So how do we know that someone is worth investing your time and energy in? How do we know that someone wants to be a disciple? Everyone needs to be disciple, but not everyone wants to be a disciple. How do we know that? Because number one, they're open and responsive to the drawing of the Spirit. I was talking to our outreach director this morning, and he had a Bible study with a young man that I baptized the first Sunday of this year. And last night in his home, he said, Pastor, I want this Holy Ghost that you're talking about. We know that he is somebody that has a potential to be a disciple for Jesus Christ. They're open and responsive to the drawing of the Spirit. Number two, they're willing to let Jesus change what they care about. Number three, they're willing to share their ongoing Jesus story with their friends and family in order to find people who want to know about him. That's why I say discipleship begins at hello. It begins at smiling at the lady at the gas station. It begins by being kind to the lady at the grocery store. It begins with hello. Could we stand together today? I might be criticized for saying this. But I do believe that discipleship can and does begin to happen prior to conversion. I've got Bible on it. It even says in Matthew 28, 19, makes this model because baptizing part, the baptizing part in Matthew 28, 19 follows the go and make disciple part. The secret to reaching lost people is creating a church wherever you can go, learning to take God to people, not just bringing people to the church. We've got it back where we say, come to church with me, but we got to take church to them. 
In the early church, they were winning people in their homes. They were winning people in the marketplace. If somebody asked you to pray for them, say, do you mind if I pray for you right now? You don't have to give a expository on the Word of God. You just got to love them and pray the Word of God over them. Can somebody say amen? Peter didn't preach Acts 2.38 to them until preaching Jesus. They reached a place, the Bible says, they were pricked in their heart. And then they said, what shall we do? And when they asked that question, we're going to be ready to share with them the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest message in all the world is the good news of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? amen? We must be a worshiping church. We must be a family-bonded church. We must be a Bible-teaching and a Bible-believing church. But church, we got to be a soul-winning church. At this time next year, I believe there's going to be hundreds of more people in this building that are singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. If you are ready to say yes to Jesus Christ, could you step out of your pew? Could you come to this front and say, God, I surrender to you. Will you use me in the body of Christ? I will was lost but now I'm bound I say yes to you today somebody needs to say yes to repentance somebody needs to say yes to baptism today somebody needs to say yes use me God use me God I'll go where you want me to go I'll do what you want me to do God I'll be what you want me to be come on right now all across this place will you say yes to whatever God is calling to you as she sings right now come on reach out to him could we stretch just an inch further this morning? What you've called me to be. Come on, all across this place. I'll say yes. Oh, I'll say yes, Lord. Lord, I agree. Forgive me for being lackadaisical. Forgive me for being at ease in Zion. You deserve my very best, Lord. You've called us for such a time as this. Come on, I need some ministers to step up to the plate in 2022. I need some saints of God. God, I'll be what you call me to be. Come on, stretch right now. me that don't need to be there God I want you to put within me the things that need to be there God I want to be what you call me to be I'll say yes. oh. come on can we stretch a little further God wants to use some of you this year in ways you never dreamed possible he's called you to be the head and not the tail use me God Use me, God. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I'll say yes. Come on, will you say yes to Him today? Yes. If God is speaking to you about baptism, see one of these ministers this morning. They will be happy to baptize you in Jesus' name. If God is calling you to a ministry today, 
See, brother and sister Caddy, and say, God is speaking to me about this. What do you think, Pastor? What do you think, First Lady? I will be, I'll be, Lord. God, I say yes. I say yes, Lord. God, I want you to use me, Lord. I want to be a vessel that the Holy Ghost can flow through. God is calling all across this place. If you're breathing today, God wants to use you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. God wants to use you right where you're at, right how you are. Come on. Can we stretch a little further? God, I want you to use me, Lord. Every day, every day, I want you to order my steps. I want you to direct my path. Come on. Yes, to your will. Yes. Come on, right now. Use me, God. You're in your job because God put you there as a vessel of the Holy Ghost. You're at your school because God put you there. Some of you are in the medical field because God wants to use you in this season. We got some teachers in the building that God wants to use you right where you're at to bring hope to somebody. Come on. Yes, Lord. I agree. You're not too young for God to use you, and you're not too old for God to use you. Some of you senior citizens need to get a letter ministry. Some of you senior citizens need to use the phone to encourage somebody and pray over somebody. Some of you young people need to start a P7 club. God's calling you. Use me, God. 